Welcome to the Armchair Trader Podcast, and today we're talking about battery materials. It's a subject we know a lot of our readers are very interested in, and stocks in this space are well, they're receiving particular attention from investors as well. So today we thought we would get another specialist in the space on the podcast, and we have Lie Metal Corp all the way from Canada to talk to us. And CEO Maciej Yashemski is here to discuss developments at the company in Canada. So welcome to the podcast, Maciej. Excellent. Thanks. It's uh, great to be here. Um, well, we've done we've done quite a bit of writing about battery materials technology um, on the website. Um, so some of our readers will be familiar with it to a degree. But can you just give us some some more detail on on the 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 technology you have? We started the company in 2018 to address an emerging trend in the electrification space, and that's the uh, really the uh, emergence and and uh, eventual adoption of next generation batteries. And so next generation batteries, I'm kind of using as an umbrella term for all of the successor technologies to the lithium ion battery, you know, whether that's solid state or lithium sulfur or lithium metal uh, type batteries. And so our focus is uh, really on the anodes that enable those, you know, cheaper, cleaner, and ultimately better performing batteries for next generation EVs. We have two technology areas that we're working in. Uh, One is the production of metallic lithium from lithium carbonate salts. That's a completely new process. It uh, eliminates the emission of toxic uh, chlorine gas as a byproduct of uh, lithium metal production, which is uh, a problem with the incumbent technologies. And so we produce that lithium metal. And then the second part of the technology or the second technology we have is a physical vapor deposition process uh, and products around transforming the lithium metal into anodes that actually become a component in the battery. So you can think of us as being between the chemical producers and the battery manufacturer. We're really uh, sort of an upstream uh, portion of the supply chain. Yeah, as you say, battery manufacturers will be buying from you directly. Can you can you say the sort of companies you might be dealing with? Sure. I mean, uh, I, I have to tread a bit carefully just because uh, we're, we're very careful about you know, protecting uh, our uh, customers. We do have an announced uh, relationship with Blue Solutions, uh, which is a, one of the pioneering all solid state lithium metal uh, battery producers. Uh, but you can imagine, you know, we've got in excess of 10 sort of active programs with different uh, battery manufacturing or battery development companies. Can you shed some more light on your deal with Blue Solutions? Because I know that's been something that's been quite important for the company. Yeah, so that that's a it was it was a major milestone for us in in twenty twenty two. That conversation started uh, actually quite a quite a long time ago, close to the to the founding of the company. Uh, but basically, you know, as I said, uh, Blue Solutions is one of the pioneers of all solid state lithium metal batteries. They've been sort of quietly working in the background for for decades. They've been producing uh, EV qualified batteries for the better part of a decade. You know, their batteries have been in cars, they've been in uh, buses, they've been in uh, grid scale uh, energy storage. So really, um, really a pioneer in the area. Uh, Lots of experience with metallic lithium. And so what we're partnering with them on is developing an ultra thin uh, lithium metal anode for their more passenger EV-focused uh, battery technology that they're they're developing, 
And, and what's great about this agreement is, um, you know, we were very thoughtful about it, uh, the, two, the two companies. And so there's quite a clear roadmap from uh, the development and how we would go about commercializing it specifically with within, uh, you know, there's incentives for the companies to work together to commercialize that technology together. Uh, but of course, you know, we're, we're working with other companies, as I said, uh, you know, we haven't announced anything and that's why I have to be a little bit careful about it, but we're working very actively with a number of other groups uh, on uh, similar goals. In terms of the technology, is it something, I'm, I probably get asked about this all the time by investors, but is it something that you're able to protect with patents? Yeah, so so uh, the especially on the metal side, I would say we have a very strong uh, IP position because you know, it's a new process, new equipment. We do a lot of our own uh, custom designed equipment. So there, I believe we're going to have a very, very strong uh, patent portfolio. Uh, on the PVD side, it's more focused towards specific aspects of the process. It's more focused on uh, specific uh, aspects of products. And again, this sort of comes down to to one of the virtues of using PVD as a platform. You know, PVD, physical vapor deposition, it's a ubiquitous technology. It's been around for 70 years, uh, 80 years, actually. Basically, almost anything that looks metallic but is made out of plastic, there's a good chance that it's been made using a PVD process, whether that's, you know, the, the reflective part of the, your car's light or chip bag or a crisp bag. Uh, where it's a plastic film that's been metalized. So the technology has been around for a long time, adapting it to the production of uh, lithium metal-based anodes at high throughput with high quality is a, is a challenge. And there's specific things uh, that are protectable around that. And there's specific products made using that process that are possible by uh, using that process uh, that are protectable. But, you know, the fundamental technology is uh, sort of exists in the world as a, as a concept. Gotcha. Can you say anything about revenues in terms of, you know, the way you see the company making money going forwards? Sure. So uh, it's pretty clear, you know, we're, we're fairly vocal about uh, intending to produce lithium metal as a, as an operating producing company. We want to be a, a major producer of metallic lithium. That's a pretty clear business model. There's some benefits of scale you get there. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're moving as quickly as possible to commercialize that technology because that's a, that's a healthy market with healthy demand uh, for metal, especially you know, in, in North America, uh, where, where there's limited production capacity. Um, on the uh, anode side, uh, it's quite interesting because we've had, you know, we have a lot of ongoing conversations with uh, different battery companies. And it's, uh, it's quite clear the industry is still trying to work out exactly what model uh, it wants to uh, pursue. And so uh, you know, whether that's direct sales of an anode product or uh, a more sort of integrated production of anode, those are all different models that, that we have sort of in, in, in active conversations. So uh, we, we're prepared for that. We have models, you know, both kind of vertic more vertically integrated and uh, uh, sort of more, more direct merchant type models uh, that, that we have uh, developed uh, internally and that we're uh, discussing with different groups but it, it is quite interesting you know lithiums uh, it's very clear it's it's a specialty commodity product and then on the anode it really depends on what the strategy of the battery company is that they're trying to pursue and uh, we've been reading ourselves in the news there's been a lot of talk in washington dc from the department of energy department of um defense congress bills going through congress about energy security 
And uh, it does seem that the US government itself has woken up to the fact that there needs to be more support for companies in the next generation energy, next generation battery space. Um, I know you guys are in Canada as well, but Canada is actually being considered now by the Americans as a friendly jurisdiction. You've got the added advantage of the proximity of Canada to the US. Can you say you know, how that plays into your hands at all? I know, and, and also how much political support you've been getting in terms of financing or schemes that are available for the development of this technology? Sure. So I, I think broadly speaking, uh, if we sort of take a step back, uh, we see that basically any automotive producing uh, manufacturing type region, there's been this reckoning that you know, if you want to continue to maintain that industry, you need to develop a, a battery uh, supply chain and a battery value chain within the jurisdiction or close proximity there too. And so I think we're seeing that as a global trend, you know, both in Europe and in Canada and in the U.S., of increasing government policy intended to encourage the development of that supply chain within at least the region. I think for us, you know, the great benefit is it, it just supercharges the industry. It means that there's, you know, there's going to be more battery plants built uh, in the region. There's going to be more EV manufacturing capacity. And that really plays well into our hand because we're we're sort of one step removed. You know, we're not trying to pick a particular winner, a particular company to, to conquer the world. We're we're an upstream player, so we have a kind of technology agnostic product. We can uh, we can feed into the, those markets. So I think those are you know, those are tremendous uh, uh, sort of macro drivers or, or mac macro uh, tailwinds for a company like us and like ours uh, working in this space. Uh, more specifically, you know, Canada has been been pretty active in the area. Uh, you know, we've been able to secure some funding uh, from the government uh, in support of that collaboration with Blue Solutions. It's about a $2 million grant uh, from the Next Generation Manufacturing Canada. There's other grants that are becoming available that are becoming, you know, either the, the mandates are expanding or the total funds uh, that are available are expanding. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to leverage that. We're actively chasing a number of those types of opportunities uh, and we'll continue to do so. So I think there's both kind of indirect uh, support and direct support. And presumably in the future, further support uh, coming down the pipeline. What one hopes. I mean, I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a fierce competition to get these industries built out uh, in the auto manufacturing heartlands of the world. And in terms of, I know you can't name any names, but in terms of the actual the sectors, the companies that you are likely to be selling um, to, are we really, are we talking the electric vehicle space or are we talking people building the batteries for other electric um, vehicle manufacturers or are we talking potentially other sectors entirely as well? It's a, it's a, a really good, uh, good point because I think the, the big driver is going to be the EV market. And as I said, there's sort of different uh, models that different companies are pursuing. You know, we have had a lot of engagement with the next generation battery developers. It's part of our strategy to get our, our materials uh, into their hands, really uh, help you know, enable their development work, help enable their product qualification work to the greatest extent possible. So we've been really focused uh, to date on those, those relationships with the battery developers. Uh, but you know, we're, we're certainly broadening that. You know, one of the reasons we brought uh, you know, Kanal Falfer, uh, who recently joined the company, 
uh, on board is, is really to cast the broader net to really develop the relationships with uh, you know, sort of the customer once removed directly with the auto industry and, and so forth. But it, if, again, if we kind of take a step back, what do next generation batteries really allow you to do? One is they allow you to have vehicles with longer range, potentially uh, you know, lower cost uh, batteries. That's one part. But the other piece is the ability to store more energy in a smaller package and a lighter package starts to open up other niches. For instance, you know, electric air mobility, you start to be able to think about short, medium haul uh, air travel. You start to look at you know, maybe taking some of the coastal shipping in. You're starting to think more about perhaps uh, you know, electrified trains on non-electrified networks. So, so it really starts to, uh, again, sort of expand the total scope of the industry, which is very exciting. Those are not, you know, those are not the major things people are necessarily thinking about right now, but they're just natural applications for next generation battery technology. From from your perspective, the sky's the limit, really, because a lot of a lot of industries are using fossil fuel burning um, engines at the moment, and a lot of them are going to be moving over to some kind of a clean technology, battery orientated business. So aviation coastal shipping, I mean, all of this stuff could actually end up being end customers for yourselves. Yeah, and, and, and it's, you know, the, it's the battery technologies that are enabled by you know, low cost, large volume production of high energy density anode materials that really expand that envelope and start to bring these other use cases, these what you might, we might consider edge use cases, but actually ones that really represent a, still a massive battery demand into the fold of what's possible with, uh, yeah, with, with electric vehicles. Can you shed some light on the product qualification process that you have to go through? I know that's something that's quite involved and it's obviously something that you'll be having to do a lot of going forward. Yeah, so we, we have, I think, a, a pretty robust strategy around that. And that is really to get our products into, uh, you, know, you can kind of think of us as a tier two supplier to the auto industry. We're, we're once removed from, from being a direct supplier. So our strategy from the beginning and the way we've set the company up is to be able to produce you know, reasonable volumes of material uh, to, to feed it to the battery developers and to have our product go through and be qualified with their products. The process is, is not trivial. You know, there's sort of a four-step process. It takes uh, you know, a number of years to go through that, where you sort of start with almost like conceptual level products, ones that function like they're, have most of the functionality but aren't made with the same processes as you would use in a manufacturing environment. And then sort of the fidelity of those manufacturing processes and the scale of the production uh, goes up as you go through the various you know, sample A, B, C, and D uh, product qualification stages. So our goal is really to get our material into the cells as they pass through that uh, material freeze milestone that happens uh, sort of in, in the sample B part of the qualification uh, sequence. Uh, so that's really, you know, that's where we're focused. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to leverage others' qualification efforts to qualify our products. Gotcha. And, and do you think that that's something, I know you've just, you've just mentioned how long it can take. Do you think that that's something that might speed up as people become, both yourselves and potential customers, become more familiar with the process? I think there's great impetus to get it done. There's a bit of an arms race between the different automotive companies to get you know, a differentiated product on the road. I think the industry is going as fast as it can to try to get these materials in, but it is, you know, it is an undertaking. Uh, you're, you're changing significant aspects of the technology. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a road that must be traveled. It will take a few years. But the key thing to understand is it's the companies that have 
the capability to produce material today that are feeding into that process. And so once a product is qualified, anybody else coming into the market is looking at, you know, a two, three plus year process to get their material qualified in a way uh, into, into a vehicle. So for us, having taken the time to put ourselves in this position is, is I think, a great advantage. And I think it's perhaps underappreciated. The lithium price is something that we've been following on our website. And uh, we've been talking a lot about it on this, on this podcast with other people. Uh, we've seen price of lithium really skyrocketing, obviously because not enough producers, there's massive demand um, from the battery space. Is that something that creates problems and, and how are you able to mitigate that? In a way it does. I mean, it creates problems for the whole industry. I think if you look at the cost of production of, of lithium, it's actually pretty low compared to the selling price. So I think whenever you have that situation, it's typically driven by insufficient supply side. You know, for us, one of the big advantages of our process and of our uh, products is that we can go ultra thin on the lithium, which means we we really can th thrift on the lithium inventory that we need to put in a cell. You know, if you look at conventional foil rolling, which is how a lot of you know, metallic lithium anodes are, are made today, you're very hard pressed to go much thinner than you know 30, 40 microns. We can go down to five. So when you think about that, you know, quintupling of the price of lithium over the last, you know, 18 months, the ability to cut out that much material is a huge advantage. It's obvious that demand for your product is going to be picking up pretty sharply. What plans do you have in place for scaling up your own production and how realistic is that? Yeah, so, I mean, we're going as fast as we can on the metal production side because that's a, that's a market we can target, you know, today. So we, we have a pretty active uh, piloting program. Uh, we're doing the commercial scale plant engineering and sort of parallel with that process. The idea is basically to be able to launch as, as soon as those, uh, those are completed. In, in terms of the, the scale up of, of production, I mean, one of the things that we're really trying to do is, is develop close partnerships with all of our uh, customers. Uh, again, recognizing that the sooner we get them you know, using the product at uh, scale as they go through the product qualification process, the easier it will be for us uh, to then uh, either build out the capacity or justify building out our own capacity or you know, building that capacity with them in a, in a more vertically integrated fashion. So I, I think the key here is you need to be part of the process in order to, to be eventually a producer of these materials. And that's why we're so focused on those partnerships. Do you envisage that you might need to take on more investment or raise more finance in order to facilitate future expansion? Yeah, so, so definitely to build a commercial plant, to build commercial scale capacity, we're, we're going to need to raise additional funds. We, we're, we're in Toronto, so we kind of have, we're surrounded by, by mining uh, people. And so when people think about a commercial scale plant or a commercial facility, they're thinking billions of dollars because that's sort of very typical for mining projects. But the lithium metal industry is, is not a big industry. It's a uh, sort of low th single digit thousands of tons per year of metal that's produced. Uh, and so you know, if you can build out 500 tons, 1,000 tons of capacity, you're, you're taking a significant share of the market. But that's still not a massive capital uh, commitment. It's sort of uh, on the order of tens to very low hundreds of millions of dollars to build that scale of capacity. So. Uh, we'll definitely need to, to raise additional funds to build out that, that commercial operation, but it's not an enormous investment like you would uh, have for a mining project. 
and I, I, I this, I'm not asking this question specifically in in relation to your own company, but but more from the sector as a whole. Do you think that there's going to be more participation from an investment point of view from, say, the the electric vehicle and battery manufacturers buying into smaller companies like yourselves in order to just secure that? that vital supply for themselves? I mean, my perspective on this is that we, you know, one, we've seen already quite a, quite a active desire to vertically integrate when the supply chain is stressed, people want to control it. That's a reasonable uh, position to take. So I think we will see that. And I think we will see, you know, continued. We've already seen lots of investment in the space, you know, in the, uh, let's say battery companies, uh, the maturing startups, we've seen t- tons of investment from the automakers uh, to secure those technologies and to to foster those technologies. I would tend to argue that, you know, that trend is likely to continue further uh, upstream. You know, if you look at Tesla, they're sort of going all the way uh, vertical, and I'm not sure that that's not the right model. So I'm sure certain automakers will make that decision. Uh, finally, I know there's not much you can probably say at the moment, but I just wanted to see if you can shed any light on um, future plans for the company next year. The road is fairly clear. You know, we've got uh, continued uh, development and maturation of the, both of the technologies, you know, whether that's uh, through engineering for commercial operations or some of the piloting uh, work that we're doing. We're going to see continued sample material production. Uh, continued deepening of relationships with our customers. We're you know, aiming to have some some announceable partnerships uh, with some of those groups. So it's um, you know, I think it's going to be very exciting. We've got a lot of things going on. We've built great infrastructure. You know, we have a, a pilot uh, anode production line in Rochester, New York. We have a pilot metal production ro- uh, line that's uh, going through the piloting uh, process in uh, in uh, Markham, just north of Toronto. Uh, we have a, you know, a really great team. So uh, there's going to be a lot of exciting things in 2023 that we can look forward to. Fantastic. Well, we'll be keeping tabs on progress um, with the company and, and with the sector as a whole, because we think it's definitely uh, an exciting place for investors to be at the moment. It's a super dynamic, yeah, it's a super dynamic industry and uh, the tons of growth uh, and uh, tons of exciting developments coming up. So it's, you know, it's a wild ride, but uh it's not, not every day that a, a new industry comes into existence. No, indeed. And a and, and good opportunity to get in and, uh, you know, at the early stage of the growth. Thank you very much indeed for coming on, on the podcast uh, this morning, your time, this afternoon, our time. No, thank you. It was, uh, it was a good conversation. Much appreciated. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there. Thank you.